Was there special music tonight? Okay. I'll let you do them right now. Just sing the first stanza before Dave comes. 362. I'm sorry, Dave. Didn't mean to. But let you stand up and just stretch your legs a little bit because Dave's going to preach till 8 30, I think. <laughs> no choir, right? No choir, yeah. <laughs> no choir practice tonight. 
<clears throat> okay. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Just the first stanza. 362. tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely he did something that no other friend could do no one ever cared for me like Jesus there's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm not sure who picked that song, but right before I had to get up here. But <laughs> if uh, just I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I'm inviting myself. I guess I am. But if you ladies, uh, you know, go out to lunch again. Feel free to ring me up, and uh, I'll join. No, well, you got somebody to pay for you. That's why I want to go. Uh, free lunch. <laughs> I like. I like food. They say some people, some people eat to live. I, I, I live to eat, un, uh, unfortunately. And uh, Kay will tell you there's not much I don't, I don't know that I've ever found anything I, I don't like or haven't eaten, except for, um, and I joke with her about this, but hot tuna casserole. And I'll eat it if I have to, but it's not my, warm tuna fish is not my best, uh, <laughs> my favorite thing. So... Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, if you'll turn there with me. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. And uh, we're, we're going to end up there in a few minutes. Uh, but you can hang out there until, until we get there. It's, it's, I don't know why it amazes me, but it amazes me that after hearing Dave's message this morning, how, how God overlaps messages, and, and we, we never speak about what we're going to preach on. And uh, it, it amazes me still. How God, uh, how God works, and that we can be used of God. You know how God chooses to use each and every one of us in 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 a special way for His glory. And uh, you know, I we're talking about food. I enjoy I enjoy cooking. I don't know. It's a, it's a stress relief for me. And uh, most most of what I cook, um, everybody can eat. And I can cook pretty much everything because I, I know what I put in it, so I know, hey, it, you know, how bad can it be? Um, but, uh, but one thing I've noticed is that, and I try all kind of different spices and stuff, and I like, I like some you know, cumin and, and different spices that Kay doesn't care for. So if I want it all myself, I just throw a little bit of that in, and I get to eat it all. Uh, but one of the things I noticed is that Spices that have sat in the, in the cupboard for a while. Now, there's some that, you know, you've got cloves and cinnamon and, pe and peppercorns and things like that and, and some seeds. Typically, they have a pretty long lifespan. But your ground-up uh, spices and, and leaves, herb leaves and things like that, 
they don't. And when you, when you use those things, expecting a certain flavor from that food, and you don't get the flavor that you, that you expect, you go back and you look and you find out it's four years old. And that's why you, you don't have the, the flavor that you expected. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's not good. Salt is one thing that they say never can go bad, primarily because it's a natural ingredient. We either get it from the sea or we get it from, from, from you know, the ground. And it's something, they say that the only thing that can go wrong with salt is if you add water to it, the, uh, the compound of, of uh, sodium chloride, it can break the chloride compound down and it, and it lessens its effectiveness and it degrades its properties. And everything has a weakness. Um, we know we all have weaknesses. And, of course, Superman has a weakness, right? Kryptonite. Can't get near that kryptonite. Uh, but if I'm counting, if I go and I'm cooking, and if I'm counting on certain spices to, to give me a certain flavor that I'm looking for, and they don't, then for me, they've been useless to that recipe. They didn't serve the purpose of that recipe. And so I just want to start, by, to, to start tonight by saying, by asking a question, I guess, it's kind of the interactive uh, portion of our program, is, is why are we here tonight? Why, why are we even here tonight? What is our purpose for being here? To worship God. To worship God, absolutely. What else? Why else are we here? To praise God, to worship, to praise To learn from him. To be, an encouragement to, each other. to be an encouragement to each other. How true that is. Absolutely. Because, because we love him for all he's done. Right? For all he is. Thing is, if we simply come here and we worship together, and, and we walk out of here, and we do absolutely nothing with what God, how God has moved us, how, God, how, how we've seen, how God... Uh, responds to, to worship. If we walk out of here and, and, and we don't do anything with it, then what good is it? If we keep this contained within this building and don't take it outside the doors, then, then what good is it to the world that we live in? It's, uh, it's sort of like the outdated spices, right? We've put something in but it just doesn't produce a result on the outside. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, and we're going to get over to Matthew. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says this. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The purpose of salt is to intensify flavor. It's to preserve. And our purpose, as it says here, is to preach the gospel to every person that we come into contact with. I... Uh, I got to tell you, I stand, I stand amazed. We just got done the basketball season. And uh, most of the schools we play are Christian schools, but we've played some. We played Pittman this year. We played, supposed to play Vineland. This is Brooke, not me. Um, the, uh, we, played, we played Bridgeton uh, High School. And I stand amazed at how uh, Christians behave out in public. And this is among themselves, <laughs> These are Christian schools, and, and, and you know what? The parents are the worst of them all. And I stand back, and I watch this, and I think to myself, this is how Christians behave. i got to tell you, we play a lot of, a lot of Christian schools in the area. The, uh, the most polite, and you can ask Brooke this, the most well-behaved, the most 
sportsmanlike team that we played this year was Bridgeton High School. Bridgeton High School. And we got there, and I told, we were concerned because we were supposed to play in Bridgeton. We were going to have to go into Bridgeton, take our kids, take our Christian kids into Bridgeton High School. We were concerned about that. And they were the best behaved out of all of them. And we wonder why we find a, a, a decline in, uh, in membership of the local New Testament church. Even in those churches that, that are still vibrant, we find, at least talking to people, that uh, it's very difficult to find people that are willing to serve, that are willing to, to be the salt, if you will, in the church. And uh, Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, commands us to go. To go means to, it gives us the idea that we're tra- as we travel through life, that we're to preach, to proclaim the gospel to every creature by testimony, by example, by action, by word, by convictions, and by deed. We're to fulfill our purpose. We have a purpose. And that's the title of the message this evening is Fulfilling a Purpose. Fulfilling a Purpose. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you as has already been mentioned, Father, that we're able to have a part in your ministry, Lord. That you find it fitting to use such, uh, such broken servants, Lord, for your glory, Lord. And we just pray that as we look into your word tonight, you would teach us something, Father, that we'd be able to use for your honor, for your glory, and something that we'd be able to take and to, to, uh, to add to, to, or, or be used for the ministry to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Father, we're going to thank you when we see it happen in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Mark chapter 13, five, Mark chapter 5 and verse 13, we read this. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In verse 13 there, we hear, it says there, ye are the salt of the earth. Specifically, it means you. You yourself, individually, you are the salt of the earth. We find ourselves uh, wanting to see our congregation grow. But what are we personally doing about it? What, what am I doing about that? It's not good to have water when you're shaking. <laughs> what am I personally doing about that? We think that programs are going to bring people in. We have to remember one thing, that whatever we catch them with, we're going to need to keep them with. If we catch them with the world, we're going to need to keep them with the world. And you know what? Not, all the world's not bad. The Bible tells us that all things are lawful unto us, but not all things are profitable. And so we need to keep that in mind. But we also need to keep in mind that the, our, we need to focus, our focus should, be, should not be on the church's responsibility to go out and do something. It should be our responsibility, it should be my responsibility to go out 
and do something about this. The responsibility lies with us. The church is simply the container. You think about that salt container. It's, just, it's the container. It's filled with salt. It's filled with members. It's filled with us. It goes on, it says, you're the salt of the earth. From the primary word, soil. By extension, it, it gives the idea of a region. You're the salt in your family. You're the salt in your workplace. You're the salt when you go to IGA. You're the salt when you pull up to the gas pump. Ye are the salt. You yourselves, everywhere you go, you are the salt of the earth. It says, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? That phrase, lost its savor, I thought it was interesting because it literally means to be made foolish. If we're not salt in those places, we're acting foolishly. Savor is the, the idea that speaks of taste and smell. Have you ever heard, of, I know you have, the term that says that person really puts a bad taste in my mouth. We go to these basketball games, I sit there, and there's times I have to, I have to not allow, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, lest it get out or somebody saw it. I've said something to people at times that, that I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, your testimony here and your reflection on your basketball team is pitiful. And your reflection on Christ. It's typically, they're, they're typically, they don't react because they're like amazed that I said something. But, um, but it puts a bad taste in my mouth. And it says, how can you be salt? How can salt be salt if it doesn't fulfill the purpose that it was intended for? It's good for nothing. It's good for no one. There's a, uh, I got a paperweight at work. And there's a reason why paperweights are heavy, because they're to hold down something, right? There's a purpose for them. We would think it's silly to take a feather and put it on the top bunch of pieces of paper and think that that feather was going to hold it down. Things that are useless are laid aside. It says, but are cast out to be, and to be trodden under the foot of men. Things that are useless are, are rejected by the masses. Things that are useless are, are disregarded. I have a drawer full of electronic gadgets that I bought and they didn't fulfill the purpose and they ended up in the drawer. And we've, I've tried to repurpose those over the years and end up throwing them out because I take them apart and then can't put them together again. Um, but, but they didn't fulfill the purpose that they were intended for. And so they got set aside. It says it's good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Verse 14 says, ye are the light of the world. Again, that same ye, you yourselves. You yourselves are the salt of the earth. You yourselves are the light of the world. That light gives the idea of fire. You're the fire in this world. I like to go out and, and build, a, build a fire quite often in the backyard, and I just watch the fire. And I, I think of a lot of things. I think that that there's people burning in that fire right now somewhere. But I watch in amazement how that fire just, it just glows. You know what, and, the, and I, the darker it is at night, the brighter that fire is. The world here is defined, says, ye are the light of the world. And that, that is as narrow or as wide as you're given access to. You know what, some of us never leave Salem County. Some of us have opportunity to go across state borders and across the world, across the country. 
And as narrow as that is, the Bible says, ye are the light in that region that you've been set in. Whatever you have access to, how narrow or how wide that is, but ye are the light of the world. It says, in a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I'm told that just south of Salton Sea Visitor Center in a little town called Nyland, California, is home of the infamous Salvation Mountain in Slab City. Has anyone heard of that? Neither have I. Just a few miles outside of town on Beale Road, which is kind of interesting because that's where we live on Beale Road, uh, is a colorful scene appear, appearing in the distance. It rises up from the desert, a beacon signaling travelers uh, to draw close. This beacon is called Salvation Mountain. What makes Salvation Mountain special is that it is a man-made mountain of adobe clay, hay bales, and support beams. It says, I suspect that the mountain is about three stories high. Uh, the smooth adobe clay is painted over with colorful images and Bible scriptures. More than 100,000 gallons of paint, 25 years of hard labor, and thousands upon thousands of bales of hay and bucketfuls of adobe have gone into creating Salvation Mountain. They say when, you dri when you're driving out there, there's no way you can miss it. It's that bright. It's that colorful. It's that noticeable. It says a city on a hill cannot be hid. You can't miss that when you drive by or drive through or around. Verse 15 continues on. It says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So what's the purpose of a candle? It's to illuminate, right? So wouldn't it be just silly to light a candle and then put a bucket over it to cover it up? We're the fire of the world. And if the fire is hid, what good, what use is it? As a matter of fact, chances are that I think if you, if you cover up the fire, it's eventually going to go out. That flame is eventually not going to have enough oxygen. It's just going to go out. As I mentioned earlier, the brighter thing to remember about the flame is the darker it is, the brighter it shines. And that's how we should be shining. That's how we should be light in this dark world, how we should be salt in this earth is the darker it is, the, lighter, the brighter it shines. But it says that it's to be put on a candlestick. It's to be risen up so people can see it, so that it can be seen by as many as possible. Verse 16, So then, that transition, because of this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your fire, your light shine in front of them, around them, in the sight of them that they may see your good, your beautiful, your virtuous, your worthy works, and glorify or magnify your Father which is in heaven. I said this last, uh, yesterday, or I guess last uh, Sunday morning several times. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about him. Acts chapter 13 and verse 47, it says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light unto the Gentiles. The Gentiles, the heathen, or the nation. Literally, it means the people. I have set you, set thee to be a light of the, uh, light of the people, the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth, for the purpose of their salvation. So I ask myself this, and I'll ask you, is why do I find it so hard to do that? to share that gospel everywhere I go. 
I find that when I approach someone, my heart, I can feel my heart start racing. I don't know about you. Maybe you're calm, cool, and collective. But I start thinking the things like, what if, I, what if I mess this up? What if I say something wrong? What if I tell them something that's not true? What if, what if I give them a false sense of hope of salvation in my, after my discussion with them? I don't, this is important stuff. I don't, I don't want to mess this up. My heart starts racing. <clears throat> I start to forget Scripture. You know what's interesting is I have never... Ever. As a matter of fact, there's verses. God is, the Holy Spirit of God has brought back verses that I've memorized years ago that I forgot that I memorized, which is amazing to me when you just start talking to people and you start sharing the truth with them. And they ask questions, and, you, and this verse pops up. And you know what? I may miss a word or two somewhere, but, but you know what? God, where God uh, guides, God provides. Where God guides, God provides. And I often I ask myself, is it because I'm ashamed? Why is it that I don't take the opportunities? Every opportunity that I have, is it because I'm ashamed? Peter, I mention this all the time. I like Peter. Peter, and I've, I can relate with Peter. But he gets a bad rap. I just wonder how many times we have denied Christ. Acts, I'm trying to hit the buzzer here, but I'm not. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. I just want to share this because I think, uh, to me, this is, this is Peter's, this is the pinnacle of Peter's ministry for me. I love this, I love this chapter. He says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are, these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing that it is about the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in these last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and all sons, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show thee wonders in heaven above, and signs in earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call, in the name of the, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Can you imagine Peter, who once denied Christ, was standing up and preaching that? How many times do we have the opportunity to share the gospel, to be a light in this dark world, to be a fire that people need to be exposed of? And how many times have we decided not to share that gospel? And that's exactly what it is. It's a conscious decision. When we're confronted with a situation and we allow fear, or we allow Satan to take over, or whatever it is, and turn away and don't share that truth. We made a conscious decision, I'm not going to do that today. Or is it because I'm unthankful? Psalm 105 and verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people.
One of the easiest ways that we can show our thanks is to make known his deeds, to make known his saving grace, to make known his forgiveness, to make known his power. Something I never noticed in this verse is that it says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon him. It says, call upon his name. At least my understanding of a semicolon is that it takes two complete thoughts and, and they act together simultaneously. They act together. And it says there, I'll give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name. We have power. We have the power of God available to us to make known his deeds among the people. It doesn't say, oh, give thanks in the Lord and go out and make these. It says, make, give thanks in the Lord and call upon his name. And we have his power to be able to do that. We're not all in this all alone. God makes this clear in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, but sanctify, we talked about this last Sunday morning, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. We must settle in our hearts what God means to us. And once we do that, we'll be ready to share with those that we come in, we'll be able to share that with those that we come into contact with. It says, answer to every man that asketh. That word asketh, I thought it was interesting because it's, it means to ask or to beg, or to call for, or to, de- or, or to desire. But you know what else also it means? It gives the idea of require. And give an answer to every man that requires a reason. Sometimes people don't know what they don't know. They don't know that they need the Lord until we give them the gospel, until we share the truth. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And how shall they hear without a preacher, without a proclaimer? How shall they hear without one who is willing to fulfill their purpose in the Christian life? To be salt and to be light. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I, also, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye also are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Just like that salt, just like those spices that I use to cook with and serve no purpose. If This is all we do is come here. And I am sure in a Sunday evening service that I'm preaching to the choir. But if you're anything like me, it, 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 it's not as frequent as it should be. Just like those spices, if we believe without action then we've done so in vain. Each and every one of us has a gift, and we as a congregation have a purpose. So we have to ask ourselves, how can I use my gift to fulfill that purpose? As I mentioned earlier, we keep hearing, I think I mentioned earlier, we keep hearing how we need to build up, we need to bring people into this church, how we need more people, and, and I'm staying right there with you. It would be nice to have a packed-out congregation. But I have searched the scriptures as we're looking for a pastor. And I've, I've read and I've studied. And I've tried to find somewhere where God says that that's what we're supposed to be doing, is looking to build a big church. And it's not there. 
We were never commanded to have a large congregation. You look at the, there's two things, the universal church and you have the local church. This is our local body of believers. Universal church is everyone who's ever been saved. Doesn't matter, you know what? Doesn't matter if they're sitting in the Catholic church right now. If they've trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior, they're part of the universal church. A lot of people, they want to, they want to use uh, Acts chapter 2 as an example when it says that they were added to the church daily as, as a, uh, a position to be able to justify a large church. I think it was, personally, I think it was talking about the universal church. Now, they may have had a local church in that area, but I think there it was talking about the universal church. We're commanded to preach the gospel. We were never commanded to give the people what they wanted. We're commanded to let our light shine. And so how can we do that? How are we doing that? We have, we have VBS, and that's great. We have WANA, and that's good. Matter of fact, I know it's been said time and time again, all, most, all, most if not all the children there, uh, parents do not attend our church. So we have an outreach to the community through that of 20 families. We've got, uh, so that's what, 57 days of the year as an outreach. Let's throw in folks with spokes, and that'll shoot us up to 80. So now 80 days of the year, we have an interaction, opportunity for interaction with this church. If we kick in all of our services, evening service, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, we'll count that as one day because that's a day. Then we have 184 opportunities for interaction. So as a church, there's 181 more days in the year. What are we doing with them? As individuals, what are we doing with that? What are we doing with our purpose that we have in the, in the community, in our church, to our fellow believers? What are we doing with that 181 days? I made a list. I went through and made a list of opportunities other than personal witness. We can multiply that and do that out and think about the number of people. Somebody once said, you know what, if all of us brought, and I know, because I've invited people that haven't shown up either, so don't get me wrong, but if all of us brought one person it's Sunday morning, there wouldn't be sitting or close to it now. And I know that we invite people and they, they always have, many times they have an excuse or they don't want to go, but that doesn't neglect our responsibility to continue to invite them. I've said this before. Sunday morning service is not for the unsaved. It's for Christians to come in and do those very things that we talked about, to worship, to praise, to, to, to fellowship, all those things, to build us up so that we can go out into this dark world and be able to share the truth. And you know what? If they show up, great. And hopefully they hear the gospel and, and Lord willing, they get saved. But that's, that's not the purpose of the church. Some other opportunities I've, I was just, and this is obviously is not, um, it's not all-inclusive. Uh, I was reading just the other day, there's a, there's a fellow that, that goes out in the summertime, primarily, to the, to the farm workers. I mean, we live in a rural area. They go out to the farm workers in the field at their lunchtime, and they give a Bible study. Just trying to, to think of other opportunities we, we have opportunities for prison ministry. You know what? I'd like 
to see opportunities, to just to take advantage of opportunities for families that have people in prison. I mean, it's good to reach those people, but how about the families that are stuck at home without a father, without a mother, because they, they're stuck in prison, because they've made wrong decisions, their families are suffering. We have vans that are still sitting. We've talked about this time and time again. What, think of the opportunities we could use with those vans. Discipleship. There's, I know we have folks right now discipling people. And what an awesome opportunity that is to be able to, to, to walk people and to help people grow. I, I thought, you know what, adult Bible studies. We have Bible school, Bible school. What about adult Bible studies? Internet radio. Today you could throw up for 50 bucks and be streaming all of our services. We could, we could put a loop of good music and good preaching and just stream that out to our community. We could put up a tower for probably less than a thousand bucks and just reach Elmer, New Jersey. A church newspaper to the residents of Elmer. Have a testimony at a month in there. You know what? That is what's going to reach people when they see how God has changed our lives. I had to distribute testimony tracts, church prayer, telephone prayer, a tragedy outreach. Every day, of course, many, I guess we don't pick up the newspaper. We dial up the newspaper, right? And every day, there's tragedy, and there's families suffering, and many of them don't know Christ. Just an opportunity to be able to reach out in our community. Same thing with the military uh, personnel that are away and their families. Uh, we've talked about tent meetings, senior citizen outreach programs, and I know we do some of that. There's ministries I, I think about all the time in, in the hospital. And we have some people that go into the hospitals and, and children with, 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 uh, with bad conditions that they're able to go in and just minister to these children and then have an impact in the family in that, in that situation. There's, a, there's, as I mentioned, there's a chance that we're doing, we're doing a lot of these. And you know what? Some people are doing things that we don't even know about. But I need to just not, I need to find, I need to make sure that I'm not sitting back in our church and saying, woe is us. Our numbers are down. Woe is us. We have a commission. We have a command. We have a purpose. We're the salt in this land. And if we sit back and do nothing, then we're rendered useless. If I sit back and do absolutely nothing, then I'm rendered useless for, the, for God's kingdom, for his purpose. So let's not sit back and say that we simply need more people because we have just enough people here to go out and share the gospel in our community. We have just enough. You know what I mentioned about all these ministries too? And I'm, I'm not saying this to be funny, but a lot of people say, our church is, is, is getting older. You guys, not me. <laughs> but our church is getting older. But you know what? That provides more opportunities for, for things with, with time. It provides more opportunities for maturity, for mature Christians to be able to go out and minister to people. So it's not a bad thing. Of course, we'd want some, some, some younger folks in here for the next generation to rise up and to take over. But it's not a bad thing that we have an older church, as people some have called it. It's actually a pretty good thing to have so many mature Christians that are still striving for the faith, that are still fighting the good fight. So we need to lift up our torches. 
We need to take the gospel to our regions. And we need to take personal responsibility for what our purpose is, for what we've been called to, because we are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. We are the light of the world. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in that house. So let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much, Father, for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. Father, we're thankful again for the word of God that we can trust and know is true and pure. And Father, we just pray that you would prick our hearts, Father, to go even above and beyond where we are today with our, with our sharing of your truth, with our compassion, with our love for this community, for this place, and forever, wherever you've put us, Lord, that we would continue to share it in a way that we'd see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we see, could see that transformation, Lord, from death to life take place. And we're going to thank you again for it, Lord, as I mentioned earlier, because we trust that you have the power to do it, and it's your will in Jesus' name. Amen. number 402 402 let's stand as we sing this just the first verse we thank you for the rest that we have in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us a job to do. We've come here today rested. We're, we're refreshed. And now, Father, we pray that you would be with us as we go forth into the world. Help us to be that salt and light that you've commanded us to be. Give us the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the opportunities to serve you this week. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Good night.